Praise the Lord. Amen. Always good to see everyone out there. Amen. I love seeing you guys. Amen. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. We have a lot to rejoice over. We have God as our Savior. Amen. And we can rejoice in the God of our salvation today. All of His blessings, all of His many benefits that we receive daily of Him. Amen. We ought to be a thankful people. We are, right? We are thankful for the goodness of God in our lives. The manifestation of His presence, His will. Amen. We are blessed. Blessed beyond measure. Let's all stand. Amen. Let's pray over our service this morning that God would have His perfect will here. That that's what would be manifest here today. He has a plan for each of us. That's why we're here. Amen. We're not here by chance. Uh, God is not here by chance. The things that He has in store for us are not chance or happenstance. They are the will and plan of God. Amen. Let's pray that that is revealed, that that is received by each person here today. Lord Jesus, I am so thankful for You. I am so thankful for Your so great salvation. I am so thankful for Your many, 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 many benefits. Hallelujah, Jesus. We do worship and praise our Creator this morning. The Lord our God is with us. Praise God. Thank You, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that this service, Your service, would be manifest with Your presence, with Your will, with Your glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. Help us to bind together as one, I pray, one body, entering into Your presence, receiving of You Your good things. Help us, Lord, to receive Your Word, such as You deliver it unto us. Help us to be doers and not hearers only. Help us, Lord Jesus, to press, to strive, to enter into Your presence. Hallelujah, Jesus. You're worthy. You're altogether worthy. Thank You, Jesus, for all that You will accomplish here in this place today. Let Your great and mighty name be glorified in our midst. We worship You. We praise You. We laud and we magnify You and we thank You. We thank You, Lord Jesus, for all that You have done. We thank You, Lord, for who You are, what You have in store for Your people today, this week, this month, this year. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We look to You in faith believing. We're going to receive of You everything that You have. Praise God. Praise God. We worship and we praise You. We are so thankful this morning for the Lord our God, for the relationship that You've established with us in all that You're going to do in our lives, our midst. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. You are worthy of our worship. You're worthy of all praise. You're worthy to receive all glory and all honor, all majesty, all power and authority, all might is Yours. It is Yours inherently. Hallelujah, Jesus. It's not something You earned. It's not something You acquired, but just simply because of who You are. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship You. We bow our knee to You. (laughs) We lie prostrate in Your presence this morning. You are worthy. We exalt You. We glorify You. Thank You, Jesus, for this opportunity this morning. Thank You, Jesus, 
that we can receive of you, that we can hear your voice, that we can feel your touch. You're an awesome God. You're a wondrous, glorious Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. He is worthy. And it is our privilege, it is our honor to give Him glory, to worship and to praise Him. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Before we start, a couple quick announcements. Uh, our annual business meeting is coming up. It is that time of the year. Amen. Everyone's favorite time. We get to gather together and go over Robert's rules and, and go over the church business. Everyone loves that. Amen. But it is the business of the kingdom. It is the business of the church, and it needs to be taken care of. Amen. So if you are a voting member, uh, please meet here, this, uh, not this Saturday, uh, Saturday on January 28th at 9 a.m. That's Saturday, January 28th at 9 a.m. We will begin promptly. Uh, so please be here. Amen. Also, uh, I want to comment on uh, midwinter camp. Who, who here was able to attend at least one service? Wow, that's awesome. Amen. Uh, those of you that were there that did attend, you know, I don't need to tell you anything. Uh, if you weren't there, all, all I could really say is at this point is, is uh, get the DVDs, go online, watch it. Um, uh, that's as much of a command as, as I feel like I can give you. Just do it. Uh, watch it. Uh, prayerfully consider everything that's been said. Uh, attempt to, to conform to those messages. Amen. They were, they were revelatory. They were powerful. And I know you hear that after every camp meeting and blah, blah, blah. Here it is again. Folks, I'm serious. I'm, I'm quite serious when I say that uh, I don't think you've heard messages quite like this before. <clears throat> and, uh, I mean, anyway, I don't have time to, to repeat everything. Just go out to the website, uh, Wisconsin Media Missions, look it up, find the, find the stuff, listen to them. Amen. Joshua chapter 3 Verses 1 through 17. We'll run through it quick and then we'll, uh, we'll dive into it more, uh, more completely. Following the plan in our devotional, this is Lesson 2.2. And I think now we're probably fully on track, hopefully, with this. Amen. Uh, hopefully you're following along with the, the daily devotionals. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll just kind of touch on those real briefly. Uh, just make a point or two and, and move on from there. But Joshua chapter 3, starting with the verse 1, begins by saying this. Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged, lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure, come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. 
And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither, and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Gergesites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. Now therefore take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe a man. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon an heap. And it came to pass, when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as they that bear the Ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon an heap very far from the city Adam, that is beside Zeratan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Amen. So this is in stark contrast to our lesson last week where the children of Israel of the previous generation had the exact same opportunity. They had the same choice that this generation received of the Lord, to obey or not, to cross over Jordan or no. Last week we, we read about them. God by the, Moses, by the commandment of God, sent twelve spies into the land for forty days, spying out the land for the purpose of showing them what they were about to receive. Spy out the good of the land. But rather than believe that God was able to deliver the land into their hands as promised, most of the spies, ten of them, pronounced doom if they would try to cross the river Jordan. I know this is the command of God. I know this has been promised since time immemorable. But we can't do this. And this is why. There are giants in the land. The cities are fenced all the way up to heaven. Yada, yada, yada. All these reasons why God was not going to be able to do this for them. Only two spies gave a faithful report. Joshua and Caleb. They were like, no, 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 no. That's not true. We're well able to take the land. God is with us. And those spies, those two spies were the only ones of that generation that were allowed to actually cross over and enjoy the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. When God gives us a promise, church, it's up to us to then seize it with faith. Sometimes it's going to be easy 
Sometimes we're going to walk across Jordan and there's going to be no one there. Just ready to take. Hand delivered to us. But sometimes there's going to be giants in the land. Sometimes it's going to require a battle. Sometimes it's going to require sacrifice. Sanctification. Something of us to actually move into the promise that God has given to us. Either way, it's a guarantee. Because again, it's not dependent on my ability or my strength. I'm not, I'm not resting on me to get this thing done. I'm depending on the God who gave me the promise. I'm depending on His strength and His intelligence and His ability to get things done. If you've been looking through the devotionals, the first devotional, day one, we read about the Great Cranberry Scare of 1959, introducing us to the concept, the power that one man or one woman can have to affect a situation, for good or for bad. As Christians, as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are commissioned, we're ordained to go and preach the gospel to testify of the good news of Jesus Christ. We are not commissioned to sow discord. We're not commissioned to talk about someone, to gossip. We're not commissioned to speak negatively of anyone or anything. We are commissioned to build and to edify and to encourage and to strengthen, to lead people into a relationship to Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. The tongue is a powerful thing. Words are very powerful things. And we need to be careful what words are coming out. Do they help or do they hinder? Do they build or do they kill? Day two. We read about Robinson Crusoe. If you haven't read that story, it's a fantastic story. Uh, I loved it. However, uh, he was the typical guy, loved money, loved self, loved things, uh, didn't really care too much about spiritual things until everything else was taken away. And then he realized the value that was found within the, the pages of this one book, the power to transform lives, is in the Scriptures. Day three, hearing and obeying the voice of the Lord. We've got to hear His voice. We've got to hear His voice clearly distinctly we've got to be able to recognize the voice of god and after it's recognized we have to do what he says it's not enough just to hear we've also got to do day four we learn how to wait on god waiting is an active thing while we're waiting on the promise while we're waiting on a calling while we're waiting on on something to be fulfilled in our lives we still need to be working we still need to be profitable servants in the kingdom of God, wherever we're at. Waiting is not sitting on a pew and, and biding our time. It's, it's active. It's like being a waiter. Serving the Lord Jesus Christ however we can where we're at. That's what waiting means. Day five, getting a better perspective. We need a spiritual and eternal perspective. We need to see situations from God's point of view. When we look at a situation, oftentimes we see the hardships, the difficulties, the sacrifices that I have to make for the kingdom. Woe is me. But if I could get a more 
God-centric perspective of the situation, I would see that this is, this is an awesome thing for me to be a part of. This is exactly where I need to be. This is what's coming down. This is what's going, about to take place. I need to see the situation from God's perspective. I get a blessing. I get a huge blessing of finances. I think, man, this is great. This is the blessing of the Lord. Automatically. I don't have to pray about it. I get a million dollars. I know that's from God. <clears throat> yeah, but is it though? Maybe it is. But maybe it's not a blessing, folks. Maybe it's a test. That million dollars can get real heavy hanging around your neck. Amen. So we need to see things from God's point of view. Amen. It was the most festive of occasions, a wedding day. The invitations had been sent long ago, the guest list completed, and the big day had finally arrived. The crowd was buzzing as the bridal party put the final touches on their wedding garments. The bride was radiant, yet anxious, her heart palpitating with anticipation. Not to be outdone, the groom's heart was leaping in his chest as the bride walked through the doors. Emotions swelled. They exchanged vows, sealed their union with a kiss, and the reception began. Merriment abounded. As the band played, the servers served the meal. Everyone was elated, except for the parents of the bride and groom. They were feeling humiliated. They'd overlooked one important detail. Some of their guests overheard this oversight. One of these guests quickly realized she had a solution for their embarrassing situation. One of her children had the ability to remedy the situation and get the festivities back on track. She motioned to her son and pulled him to the side. She whispered something in his ear. He was reluctant to act, but she was his mom. So without hesitation, his mother called to the wait staff and made a direct emphatic statement. Whatever he says to do, do it. In one short statement, Mary, the mother of Jesus, summed up the key to supernatural provision. To borrow from Nike when Jesus speaks, just do it. Just do it. Jesus gave the instructions to the wait staff. These orders would have been silly to most, but they were strangely specific. Jesus told them to haul water from the water, water pots to the master of the feast so he could taste it. These may have been the hand-washing water pots. Somewhat surprised, the servants obeyed exactly what he directed. Miraculously, by the time anyone tasted the water, Jesus had turned it into wine. He met the guests' need, saved the bridal party from embarrassment, and gave us a glimpse that this Jesus of Nazareth was not just a man. The guests were thoroughly impressed, and the celebration was a huge success. The master of the reception even commended the groom for serving the best to his guests. This was the beginning of Jesus' miracles, and it all started with a wise directive by the one on earth who knew Jesus best, his mother. She knew him well enough to know his ability. This led her to declare whatever he says to do, do it. It was great advice then. It's still great advice today. Amen. So, back to our account. Joshua 3. The Israelites prepared to enter the promised land. This being the culmination of 40 years of wandering. 40 years of wandering in the wilderness for the simple reason that they had disobeyed the commandment of the Lord. Their faithless proclamation that we can't do it. 
Our children will be a prey if we cross Jordan. This land eateth up the inhabitants. God said, all right. Don't worry about it then. Your children that you said would be a prey, they're the ones that are going to possess the land. They'll do what you couldn't, what you wouldn't. During these 40 long years, fathers marched into unnecessary battles against the Amalekites and the Midianites. Battles that would have been completely sidestepped had they simply obeyed the commandment of the Lord. Parents and grandparents gradually succumbed to age and the elements. They changed the locations 42 times after their exodus from Egypt. They all died, never having experienced the promised land that had been one step of faith away. Think about that for a moment. They were right there. All they had to do, all they had to do, folks, was walk across. That's it. Just walk across. They'd been walking already. They knew how to walk. They weren't strangers to walking. All they had to do was just walk a little farther. Done. Yay. But they couldn't. They wouldn't. Once again, 40 years later, God's people stood at the precipice of God's promise. This time, Joshua was leading a new generation of God's people, but the test was exactly the same. Will they obey or no? They would have an opportunity now to move forward in God's plan or turn away in faithlessness. Question. How can our past failures and lack of faith prepare us for future challenges and opportunities? Because we all have failures. We have all experienced a lack of faith. We've all demonstrated a lack of faith at one time or another. I don't say that with certainty, but I'm assuming. <clears throat> The only good answer I could come up with is uh, gives us an opportunity to learn. Gives us an opportunity to learn from our mistakes, to grow past these things, to make a different choice next time. We make a poor choice and we see the results of it. It's like growing up. <clears throat> if you had parents like this, I had one parent like this. Uh, when my dad was home, uh, he wouldn't let me make a mistake. He'd make sure of it. <laughs> but my mom, she would let me. She'd let me fall flat on my face. And uh, it hurt. It was embarrassing. I should have known better. But I learned from it. How did, why did I learn? I didn't want to do that again. I didn't want to, I didn't want to have to suffer through that again. My dad's solution was a whipping. Same result. I learned. I didn't want to go through that again. So I did something else. It's crude, but very effective. Works great. The seed of learning. Amen. So when we fail, 
when we make poor choices, when we have let God down, we suffer whatever consequences come from that. We repent. We get back up. God restores us. We move forward. And we learn from it, folks. We don't dwell there. We don't live there. Failure is an event, not a person, right? We move on from it. We learn from it. We grow. We don't do it again. We learn from our mistakes. The children of Israel consecrated themselves. Here again at the source of the river Jordan, Joshua spake to the children of Israel. In Joshua 3.5 it says, Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Teaching us that consecration and sanctification are vital to connect with God's promises. This is especially true when entering territory we have never experienced before. We have got to have a time in our lives of consecration, of sanctification, of dedicating ourselves solely, wholly and completely to the Lord our God, His purposes, His plan. They were sitting at the banks of Jordan. They had free choice just like all of us do. They could have stayed right there. This is comfy. This is good enough. They could have walked back. Or they could move forward. But the choice was theirs. They decided to sanctify themselves. They were setting themselves up. They were getting ready to receive everything that God had. God gives us the opportunity to pay now and play later or play now and pay later. You all are very familiar with that concept. Those that are able to delay gratification generally end up doing better in life. That's true secularly or spiritually. If you can sacrifice now of your time, your money, to invest in learning, education, to invest in building a business, to invest in whatever it is, you're going to be more successful than the person that collects a paycheck, spends it all, goes to work, collects a paycheck, spends it all, That's how they live. I read one guy a while back, and he said most people's idea of an asset is a six-pack in the fridge. That's pretty sad. If we are able to pay now, we'll be able to play later. How does that apply to us as Christians? Well, the connection is fairly obvious. When we consecrate ourselves in service to the Lord Jesus Christ, that's an opportunity cost. I can't just do whatever I want with my time now. I can't do whatever I want with my money now. My money. My time. If I am consecrated, I know that's not true. It's not my money. It's not my time. God tells me what to do with that, and I do it. I am willing to sacrifice. I am willing to go through hardship. 
if it means advancing the kingdom. I pay now so that I can play later. At the end of it all, when I'm called home and I stand before my Savior, I get to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Enjoy authority over many things. Or I can live it up now. Enjoy life. Grab all the gusto I can get. And pay later. The only problem with that option is when you pay later, the price is so much greater. It's so much greater. Scripture is replete with examples of those who consecrated themselves to God and then went on to do great things for Him. Young leaders, Joseph, Esther, Josiah, and elderly leaders, Noah, Deborah, Joshua. Scripture runs the whole gamut. When we sanctify ourselves in service to Him, we are prepared. God prepares us to then go out and do great things for Him. When we sanctify ourselves to God, two things happen. Probably more, but we'll focus on two. We gain the attention of God in a good way. Kind of like Job. Have you considered my servant Job? That was good attention, folks. I know. I know what happened to Job. But God was looking at Job in a positive way. That's a great example of pay now, play later. He paid through the nose. But he got double everything. God blessed him because of it, because of his faithfulness. We gain the attention of God. Second thing is we gain a spiritual mindset that frees us to take territory and possess promises by faith. When we are sanctified and consecrated in service to the Lord Jesus Christ, something happens here. Something happens here. That's my focus now. That's who I become. That's what I'm focused on. That's, that's what consumes my thoughts. These secondary and tertiary things that, that go on in my life, they're important to an extent. I need to take care of these things for sure. But that's not my focus. I'm going to take care of those things so that I can get back to what's important. My ministry. My service to my Lord Jesus Christ. That's what's important. That's what I'm focused on. And when that's my focus, when that's who I am now, that frees me. That sets me free. That looses me to start possessing promises, to start taking new territory for Him that I wouldn't or couldn't have done otherwise before. God showed He was with Joshua and the Israelites and He promised victory. The ten faithless spies discouraged the people from obeying the voice of God. Again, it behooves us as Christians, as leaders, as ministers of Jesus Christ that we declare clearly and boldly the promises of God. Don't be wishy-washy about them. If they're in the book, folks, Declare it loudly. Stand on it. 
Declare it firmly. Be bold. You don't have to apologize for it. You don't have to, like the, like the student in class answering a question, Thursday? And the teacher's response, was that a question or an answer? Is God sovereign or isn't He? Yes. Are you sure? You don't sound sure. Yes, He is. Does He have the power to fulfill these promises? Yes. Does He have the authority to fulfill them? Yes. Does He have the will to fulfill them? Yes, He does. So when He gives us a promise, we don't have to be wishy-washy about it. Whatever the promise is, you can stand strong on it. You can take it to the bank. It's going to happen. We declare what we only see presently with eyes of faith as if it already was. Billy Cole would say this, Say what you see until you see what you say. Say what you see until you see what you say. Keep speaking it by faith. Whatever the promise is, speak it out as if it's already happened. In the Spirit, it already has. God has declared it. Was the, was the, the, the children of Israel, did they possess the land? Effectively, yeah. They had to go through the steps of actually physically taking it. But the promise of God was, this is your land. It had already been received. It had already been possessed by faith. That faith being demonstrated by what? Crossing the Jordan. When we are sanctified unto God for His purpose, God will instill faith to believe for promises that seem impossible. These promises, words that you might receive in the middle of the night, God wakes you up, God gives you a dream or a vision, God speaks to you in prayer or over the pulpit or in the Word of God. Something crazy. Something ridiculous. So much so that you're like, I, I don't know about that. That, just, that is way beyond anything I've experienced before. It's just as easy for God to do that as it is to provide your daily bread. We can believe God for a promotion at work. We can believe Him for literally anything else. Especially, especially if you've heard the voice of God. If you know you've heard from God, you speak that out. You speak it in faith. I don't care how crazy it sounds. I don't care if everyone in here is boo hoo hoo hoo. Did you hear her? Did you hear what Jesus said? Hoo 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 hoo. I don't care. 
You speak it. I promise you, they'll shut their mouths pretty soon when God fulfills that promise. I don't think anyone here would do that. Amen. You speak that promise out until it happens, until you see the result of it. Because in the Spirit, it has already happened. God has declared it so. He speaks the end from the beginning. He speaks things not yet as if they already were. He can do that. He's God. When He speaks it, He's speaking truth. He can't lie. He won't repent. Just kidding. I take it back. He doesn't do that. It's going to take place. Speak it out. Just as God was with Moses, He promised to be with Joshua. The old-timey stories of God doing powerful things in previous generations are great, aren't they? We love to tell stories about Azusa Street. I love to read stories about uh, Wigglesworth. I love to read stories about uh, Howard Goss. I love to read stories about all, all of them. But they're not here anymore. That was yesterday, and I thank God for yesterday. I thank God for all of it. But what's going on today? We need, it. We need something today. I can't live on yesterday, and neither can you. You're not supposed to. Give us this day our daily bread. I can't live on yesterday's food. Leftovers. I don't like leftovers. I'll eat them. But I don't like them. I like fresh food. Why do we like telling stories about previous generations? Why do we like to live back there? Well, if you'll allow me to be frank, because there's nothing going on here. That's why. There's just nothing going on here. Is that God's will? Absolutely not. The same anointing they had is available to us today. As God was with Moses, so He was with Joshua. As God was with Parnham, Goss, He will be with you. It's no difference to God. They were human beings. You're a human being. They were consecrated. Maybe that's what we lack. A consecration. A commitment. A sanctification in our lives. To serve Him above everything else. And to serve Him no matter what. They were consecrated, folks. They paid the price for what God did in them and through them. Are we willing to pay the same price? To see the results that they saw. To see God move in ways that they they were witness to. As God was with them, He promises to be with us. 
To live victoriously, we must follow the leading of the Spirit. Casual affirmation of God's presence never leads us out of the mediocrity of just wandering. Let's expound on that. Israel wasn't lost. During their 40 years of wandering, they knew where they were. They knew exactly where they were. And they knew where they were supposed to be. They knew where God had intended them to be. Their faithlessness, though, had simply led them into a new kind of bondage. That bondage being life outside of God's intended purpose. And isn't this the case for so many of God's people today? They have no idea what they're supposed to be doing for God. They have no idea why God even created them in the first place. Yes, He loves me and I'm thankful for that. He saved me. Thank you, Jesus. And absolutely thank you, Jesus. But that's just the first step of a lifelong process. That's, that's getting our foot in the door, folks. We think that's awesome. Let's keep going down the road here. It just gets better and better and better and better. A lot of God's people today wander through life as children of promise, but they're simply unprepared to receive it. When they finally get to a place where they can hear the voice of God, and God tells them something about what they're supposed to be doing, who they're supposed to become, they can't receive it. They're unable to to believe God for that, for whatever reason. God has so many promises for His people. So many good things in store. But they've got to be received by faith. Quit wandering and begin to follow the leading of God's Spirit into each and every promise He has for us. Stop wandering around purposelessly. Purposelessly. Yeah, that's right. You have purpose, you have promise. You have a God that loves you. He suffered on a cross. He died for you. But He created you for a purpose. He created you for ministry. He created you to work in you and through you His perfect will. You're supposed to demonstrate Jesus Christ to this world. To reflect His character. To reflect His power and His authority. In this world. To advance His kingdom. His purposes. To represent Him as His ambassador. These are heady things when you start to consider it. These are high and lofty things. Maybe too high for us. But they ought not be. This thing about worthiness. Get over, get over worthiness, folks. God declared you worthy. finished work of Jesus Christ at Calvary makes you worthy to receive that calling. 
to receive His promises, to receive His love, His mercy, His forgiveness. You are worthy, folks. Not because of anything you've done. Not because of who you are. Unless you consider your identity in Jesus Christ. His finished work of Jesus makes you worthy. So get that settled. It doesn't matter who you are, who you were. It doesn't matter what you've done. You're worthy. You're worthy because He said you're worthy. You're worthy because Jesus' finished work at Calvary makes you worthy. We're not dependent. I'm not depending on my holiness, my righteousness, my worthiness. I'm depending on His. I can't get to heaven. I need a Savior. I need His holiness, His righteousness, His sacrifice, His spilled blood. Mine's not going to cover anybody's, let alone mine. You are worthy of the calling that God has called you to. You're worthy to be a son or a daughter of God. You're worthy to be adopted into His family. So folks, start living like it. Start walking like it. Start acting like it. Because you are. Any other attitude, folks? I mean, you can still believe that if you want, but you're walking contrary to Scripture. You're going to do so against everything that Scripture tells us. The children of Israel under Joshua did exactly that. They did what the previous generation was unwilling to do. They sanctified themselves. And they took God at His Word. And they responded in faith by crossing over. And after they made that decision, one decision, their wandering was over. They made that decision, folks, and they weren't wandering anymore. They were back in the purpose and plan of God. They were back in the middle of His perfect will. That's the power of choice, folks. One choice. That was it. And their wandering was done. The Israelites crossed the River Jordan. By the power of the Spirit, the ministry stepped into the Jordan and God's people followed. Who's the ministry? We're all the ministry. We're all called to minister. We're all called to preach and to teach the gospel. The priests, in obedience to God's word, taking the Ark of the Covenant, stepped into the waters. Now, I understand God delegates various levels of authority. I get all that. I believe you guys get that. But we're all ministers. We're all ministers. We all have authority. We all have influence in some area over someone. God's leaders, God's leaders must hear from God. Again, we're depending on His wisdom. We're depending on His knowledge to get us through. We can't see the big picture. 
We don't have the perspective that God has. Fortunately, all we need to do is hear and obey. We can all do that. I can do that. I can do that all day long. That's awesome. That I can do. We've got to hear from God. We've got to be led of the Holy Ghost. God's leaders must obey the word they hear from God. God tells us to do something. There shouldn't be a choice. We should have that settled already. That's, what, that's part of consecration. That's part of sanctification. I am consecrating myself in service to the King. I recognize His absolute authority in my life. That means, as an aside, that I recognize God's absolute authority in those that He has delegated authority to over me. I'm the pastor of the church, but I have men in authority over me. I have a bishop, my presbyter. He's an authority in my life. I have other men. I'm not out here just winging it, doing my own thing. I promise you that. That wouldn't last too long. Thank God for that. Hopefully I'd, I'd wreck the train soon, get it over with, and we move on. <clears throat> we, all of us, need to recognize the absolute authority of God. Obedience to God's Word comes before giving the command to follow. Before we can lead, folks, we've got to follow. Before we can become over someone, we've got to be under someone. There are no exceptions to that. None. If you want to be a leader, if you want to be, have influence in people's lives, you have got to find people to bring yourself under. And if that chafes you, and if that irritates you, then you really need to find someone to submit to. Yesterday. <clears throat> Get good and used to it. Get comfy with it. Put that yoke on. Get a good snug fit. Because if you're going to work for Jesus, that yoke is going to stay on. Before we can lead, we've got to learn to follow. We've got to submit to authority before we can exercise authority in our lives. Okay, God parted the waters of Jordan. God demonstrated that He was with Joshua just as He was with Moses, just as He promised He would be. God did the work when His people responded to Him in faith. God gave a promise. The people responded in faith. And then the work of God was manifest afterward. The same promise was given to a previous generation. They responded in doubt and in faithlessness. And God did not do a work. The previous generation saw the promise of God as dangerous and unsafe. We'll be a prey. They'll destroy us. They'll eat us up. Joshua's generation saw God's promise as the absolute safest place to be. 
God is calling us as a church, as families, as individuals to a place of deeper consecration. Now, that could take many forms. That can be very individualistic. It can be a call to a particular ministry. It can be a a, a call or a leading to operate in a particular spiritual gift or gifts. To give or to receive something in your life. It can take many forms. Whatever form it takes for you, the purpose is to draw us closer to God. To cause us to become more like Jesus. Whatever that step is, it's probably going to seem daunting, maybe even impossible. Let me clear this up right now. If it is possible for you to do it, it's not from God. Not as far as consecration goes. God tells us stuff to do that we can do. Wants me to look nice for church. I can put a tie on. I can tie my shoelaces. I don't need the the Holy Ghost to do that. But, I do need the Holy Ghost to get direction for service, direction for life, to be able to operate in whatever ministry He's called me to. I need God for all kinds of things. You know what I mean when I say that, right? I don't need the Holy Ghost to tie my shoelaces. I need the breath of God to be able to do anything. Okay. If you could do this, you wouldn't need God's help. You can consecrate yourself just fine all on your own. The things that God is going to be asking of us to move us into a deeper realm, a deeper spiritual realm. They're going to be things that seem impossible. They're going to be things that seem like, why are you asking me to do this? You know I can't. You know this. You know my personality. You know my bank account. You know my schedule. Yes, 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 and yes. You're right. He does. When God asks you to give sacrificially, yes, He knows exactly how much money you make, how much money you have, just as an easy example. He asks you to sacrifice an hour or two of your time. Yes, He understands how busy you are. And I don't take time lightly, folks. None of you do either. It's a very precious commodity. When God asks an hour or two of our time, that's precious. But He's asking it. If he's asking it, we need to give it. We need to give it. It's his time. When her husband and her were called by God to the country of Chad, a very dangerous place to live for many reasons, uh, missionary Kimberly Sims, wife of Robert Sims, said this when they went before the the board to be uh, uh, appointed. She said, quote, I would rather be in the most dangerous place on earth in the will of God than in the safest place on earth outside the will of God. Unquote. Amen. <clears throat> that's all I can say to that. And that seems counterintuitive. 
Why would God want me to go there? Why would God want? Why would He put me in danger like that? Why would He put my kids in danger like that? I don't know. Ask Him. Ask God. Whatever God is asking us to do, whatever God is asking of us, we need to consecrate ourselves and do it and give it and become that. Haven't we wandered long enough in familiar territory? It's time, church. It's time to launch out into new spiritual frontiers. Things that we have not seen heretofore. You may question yourself. You may question your abilities. And maybe even your resolve. But let's never question the fact that God has called us to move forward to greater things in Him. Don't ever question that. He's called you to move forward in Him. He has great things in store. Great plans. Great promises that He wants to fulfill in our lives. Let's sanctify ourselves. Let's consecrate ourselves to the tasks at hand. Let's receive the promises of God by faith. Amen. Let's all stand. Lord Jesus, You are incredible. You are absolutely amazing and wondrous and glorious. And I am so thankful for You and for Your presence here in this place today. Thank You for the Word that we've received. Build our faith, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, to trust in You completely, absolutely. Help us to hear clearly the voice of the Lord our God above every other voice above the din and the clatter of this world. Help us to hear Your voice clearly, I pray. Help us to respond to Your voice in faith, in obedience to Your Word. Help us, Lord Jesus, to move forward perfectly in the plan, the calling that You have called us unto. Bless the remainder of our service. Let Your name be glorified for the remainder. And these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Uh, We'll take a 15 and we'll be back.